It's October 12th, back in 2019, and I'm in the city of Delft in the Netherlands with Sarah. We woke up around eight in the morning in the apartment that we were renting in the old town center. It's a Saturday, so the town was having a massive flea market happening in the town center. So we got up around eight and made our way through the cold and drizzle where uh, tables were set up with tents over them and there were antiques and crafts, the, the typical stuff you'd find at a flea market. Sarah found this Delft blue ceramic tile from the 1800s that's still sitting on our stove right now. From there, we made our way to a cafe that uh, stands in the shadows of the Odekirk, which translates to old church. And we sat there and that's actually the ambient audio you're listening to right now. As we sat there under an umbrella, drinking our cappuccinos, in the light drizzle as uh, bikes and pedestrians and cars pass by, just sitting there, people watching. Umbrellas up, we continued to walk through the city and made our way to a massive windmill that is still functioning. So we walked up the six stories uh, and had an incredible view of the city and bought some flour there that we ended up bringing home after the end of our trip. And after dropping that off back at the apartments, we headed back to a bar that we had become temporary regulars at. It was called Publicus Locus. And we were just going to stop in and have a quick beer, say hi to the bartender. But he was just getting off his shift. And so we ended up staying there for like two and a half hours, having a conversation with him. He's like, my friends are coming in. You, sh- you should meet them. So we uh, met some musicians, friends of his, artists, a poet, a friend of his. And we just stayed there drinking uh, all afternoon. So long in that we actually ended up staying long than most of the restaurants were open in the city. So as we walked around, we were trying to find a space that was open that we can get dinner at. And every place seemed to be closed except for this one spot, Mediterranean Pizza. So we had some pizza, some salad, some wine, and just started walking back to our apartment. But on the way, we stumbled upon this bar that w- we looked interesting. They had like dart symbols above it. So we went in and started a conversation with the owner. Turns out it was a legendary dart bar, like a professional dart player. So you know that like you have a target, you're throwing darts. So we ended up staying there. Uh, learned how to throw darts professionally and stayed up way later than we needed to before making our way back to the apartment to crash. Now, the only reason I tell you this is because I can tell you this. And I only can tell you this because I wrote it down, just about every single thing we did that day, and I still have a record of it. Any day for the past six years, I can go back and I have a rough outline of every single thing that happened that day. I call it logging, and it's one of the most rewarding daily practices I've ever implemented in my life. A couple years ago, I was reached out to by a couple of younger musicians who asked if I'd good coffee with them and sit down and give them some advice on an upcoming tour that they're about to embark on. Their band was about to travel internationally for the first time, opening up for another artist. And so they were just like, hey, you've done this before. Is there any advice, uh, either personally, relationally, technically, musically, that you would give uh, before, that you wish someone would have told you before heading out on your first um, international tour? 
So we get together and we would talk about all the normal, regular things. We talk about music, prep, uh, performance, gear, all like the technical side of travel. But I also shared with them something that most people might find a little bit nerdy uh, and you might not have thought of doing before in your life. It's something I wish I would have been, I've been, would have been doing years before I started. I met up with both of them after their tour. They both got back and one of them had listened to me and implemented it and the other one hadn't. And the one that hadn't was like, oh man, I just, you know, time got away from me. I didn't do it, but I wish I would have. I'm actually, I really regret that I didn't uh, do this every day that I was overseas. And what it is, is this personal practice I call logging. Chances are you have had some experiences in some form or another in your life journaling. But the problem was, as I was looking at it years back, what I realized was I had two issues. Number one, when I would look back at my older stuff, it was more emotionally driven instead of a record of what was going on, the things I did, the experiences I had. It was more of a transcript of the emotions and the confusion. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest, it's mainly just the confusion. So I wanted something that was uh, more of a record keeping that I could look back at certain dates and remind myself of things. Uh, and then my other problem was that it was sporadic. I knew that if I was going to start implementing something like this, that I wanted to start doing it every day, make a habitual practice of it. And I'm not sure if this is where I got the idea from, but it was definitely a catalyst. Uh, an author named Austin Cleon put out a book called Steal Like an Artist back in the day. And it, maybe even before that, he started, he, he was keeping a blog online. And one of the things he shared on his blog uh, was about he, how he does daily, I, I, he might even call it logging, I can't remember. But every day he just writes down uh, some of the things that happened to him that day. He doesn't go into a ton of detail, but he starts doing it. And he talked about the importance of being able to look back over your year and how it's kind of like planting a tree, right? Like the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is today. Uh, and so that was his method. Like, all right, just start doing this and you'll, you're not going to realize the reward of doing this for another year or two when you're able to look back and reference it. So it's 2015 and I'm on the precipice of starting a habit like this. And a guy named Tim Ferriss, who has a podcast name called The Tim Ferriss Show, releases an interview with the director Robert Rodriguez. Uh, I, I referenced him in the last Write Shit Down episode. I'm going to play some more today, a different part of the same conversation because... It was a game changer for me. And part of this conversation, what he did was he talked about his daily uh, writing, diary, journaling, logging technique and how important that's been to him. So I decided I was going to implement this in my life, some sort of daily record keeping of everything that was going on. And I needed it to be, here's some of the categories I needed it to be. First of all, I wanted to be tactile and analog. I wanted to be writing with my hand. I don't, I don't know why I said writing by hand, but like opposed to what? No, I want to be writing uh, tangibly with pen on paper. I need it to be easy. So I need some sort of limitation that I'm not going to spend 20 minutes doing this. I want it to be quick and fast. I need it to be archival. So I need the paper and the pen that I'm using to be archival quality, meaning it's not going to fade. It's not going to bleed out through the paper. And I need it to be easily searchable, as easily uh, archivable and searchable as something in a, in a tangible notebook can be. So here's what I landed with. I have a journal 
that I got. I think I started getting these from Barnes & Noble back in the day, but it is a, a handmade in Italy. No, the main thing about this journal is that the paper is acid-free and it feels good. Like it has a good, like it's it's smooth, but it still has enough toothiness to it that it uh, uh, can grip a pen. But the fibers are still tight enough for it not to bleed. This, I mean, seriously, we're getting nerdy here. I have this paper and then I did like a bunch of research looking for archival quality pens. And what I landed on is uh, this. I got it here. It's a Sharpie pen. Uh, and so it's not Sharpie. It's not the Sharpie fine tip Sharpie because that's a different kind of ink. Uh, but it's just if you search Sharpie pen, they come in black and it's a small felt tip. And when I write on this acid-free paper, I even ripped some out when I first started doing this and I submerged it in water and it doesn't bleed. So if you're going to do a notebook, that's like the key there. You can do whatever. I think the only thing more archival than this, some people would say pencil is the way to go, which I did it for a little bit, but I just like the feeling of this pen. If you're going to get a notebook, I would say just make sure, like find something and rip off a piece of paper uh, from the back of it, write with a pen, and then submerge it underwater for a couple minutes and see if it starts bleeding or if it holds uh, its tone. Then you'll know this thing's going to hold up. Uh, I, and seriously, I've been caught in rain. Some of these have been dropped, uh, coffee spilled on of them, on one of them, uh, and they've all, they've all held up. So with this notebook, what I do is I set it up at the top of each month for the upcoming month. And how that looks is on the first page, I will write the dates down all the way through 30 or 31. And then I will put the first letter of the day of the week, uh, S, M, T, W, all that stuff, down the side. And essentially what I'm making is a month index page. And I'll come back to that in a second. But the main process of this is I go through and I take every page and I draw a line right down the middle of it. So it separates the top portion from the bottom portion. And then I go through and I write down the dates on each of these sections. So every day has a half page. And then every morning... Uh, I just take a moment to write down a bullet point list of the things that happened that day. And the only, the other, the, there's other two other steps that go to, along with this habit is number one, I always have acid free scotch tape. And so if there's anything tangible from that day, if it's a show, I have a ticket stub or something like that, I will tape in there or something. Cause there's something tangible about like holding something that existed at another time. Yeah, it's, it feels like a form of um, mental time travel. It takes you back. Yeah, this existed. Now I'm holding it here at this time. So I'll put things in there. And whenever I'm done logging for that day, the things that happened yesterday, I will go back to the index page at the front of the month. And I will write down a one-sentence uh, summary of that day. Something that allows me to go, oh, when, when was that day that we did such and such? Oh, okay, it was this year, this day. Then I look at the month and I can see, oh yeah, this date we did this. Uh, something memorable from that day to remind myself. And then it's easy, easy to search it. Another thing I've realized, I realized later that I really appreciate about this habit is the fact that uh, by not getting a journal that has the dates in it already and by getting a blank notebook, I get the same one every time, but by getting a blank one, uh, it forces me to set up the pages at the beginning of every month for the next month. And that sounds like a pain. It really doesn't take that much time. And it's only once a month that I'm doing it. But I've realized forcing myself to do that has been crazy beneficial to me because what that does is it forces me to have a buyback in at the end, at the beginning of every month, am I committing again? Am I am I committing to jumping back in and continuing this logging process? And here's another thing uh, that it's taught me 
and why I like doing it this way, being able to see uh, everything at a month's glance. And when I used to do journaling back in the day, where I'll just I'll just write things down that happened this day whenever they you know whenever they interest me or the, the I feel like the day is worth remembering. The problem with that is I would go days and days and days without writing anything down because, oh, these are just, yeah, just a, a normal day. I was just at home all day, whatever. It isn't worth writing down. The problem with that, what I've realized in this, every single day writing stuff down, Sarah and I call them flyover days. Like, you know, we have, there's like flyover states people talk about. You've got New York and then all the Midwest flyover states before you get into L.A. Uh a lot of times I've re- I realized that I viewed my life that way. Like I've got these pivotal dates, these big things that happen to me. And then even subconsciously, I view all the other dates in my life as flyover dates, the things just in between the big meaningful parts of my life. But what I've realized doing this is I look through it and as I like pull open a page, I've actually realized there's no such thing as a flyover date. It's these things, the one, the, the seemingly mundane, oh yeah, we just had a couple friends over for dinner. Oh no. That's actually one of my some of my favorite memories are those evenings having friends here around our table, staying up late, having conversation over food and drinks. Part of this kind of obsession of trying to figure out what it means to live a curious life is this desire to somehow hold on to these moments that are important. These dates I once considered flyover dates, but I realized make up a life. Yeah, I want to remember these. I want to hold on to them somehow. And because of this logging habits, yeah, I have a way I, I can have, there's weight to my year. I'm holding this, I'm holding this 2019 book and there's weight to it. I should actually even maybe even weigh this and weigh a new one and weigh an old one and see how much a year weighs. That'd be kind of interesting. But again, before you go, I want to reiterate, it's all about finding something enjoyable and tactile that you and the process that you enjoy doing day to day. My process may not work for you and you need to just experiment and find something that does or else you're not going to keep doing it. So in that, in that lights, in that spirit, here is Tim Ferriss's conversation with Robert Rodriguez talking about his habits. If you start implementing this, do you do this? Did you have a different way of doing it? What works for you? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at thecuriouspod.com slash contact or you can text the podcast hotline and I'd love to hear from you. I wanted to ask you about your journal and journaling because one of the constants in all of these interviews is the journal. All right. And it seems like you write a lot down and I have a compulsive habit of note taking. I mean, I have shelves of notebooks. How do you, so do you use- have them handwritten? Do you write them actually? How do you keep track of them if you want to uh, access them later? So that's going to be my question for you also. So I have a lot of handwritten notes that I will scan and put into Evernote, Okay, cool. which will then uh, allow character recognition to pull things up if I want to search for them. So I just have to keep my handwriting a little clean. Right. But uh, you also are really specific in, in dates, times, places. How do you use journaling? Journaling, um, that's interesting. And uh, I started you know, with the word processing way back, you know, when I first started filmmaking the first, when I sold El Mariachi and Columbia hired me, the first thing I asked for was an Apple laptop computer, which was the very first one that came out. They didn't know what it was. I was the only one on the plane with one. I was writing my <laughs> screenplays in it and I would, and I would continue my journal, which I'd started by handwriting it. It really started, um, I think in college, my dad gave me a day planner, one of those day planners. 
and I started using it and I would, you would write the things you were going to do on the left side and then you would write what you ended up doing that day on the right. And even though I was in college, I would try to push myself pretty hard. I would look and I'd go, wow, I didn't have very much to write about myself at the end of that day. I'm going to have to give myself more things on the left so I have more to write stuff on the right. It really made you reflect on your day and realize I didn't, I didn't do much today. <laughs> and so those got really full and I became a filmmaker right away. El Mariachi got made. And during the process of El Mariachi, I remember um, keeping a really uh, dense journal. Because it was an experiment. It was really a test film. And that was during all, pro all, all parts of the process. For all, all parts of the process. Because I thought, if I'm going to go take on this endeavor, I know a lot of things aren't going to work out. It's my first feature film. No one's intended to see it. It's really a learning experience. I'm just going to go make it. And I'm going to be able to look back on my journal and see where I messed up. It was really going to be a document. So I wouldn't make that mistake again. I could go back and track why did the exposure not work? And I'd be able to go back and go, oh, I, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. It was really going to be a record of failure rather than a, a, a document of success in any way. It was really about recording a methodology for a project, a specific project. And as the process went on, right away as I started editing it, I kept track of that. I sold it pretty quickly. And then I was in Hollywood and I was like, now I really got something to write about. I was writing down all the weird stuff that was happening. Finally, I decided to put out a book on just the making of El Mariachi and I kept journaling from then on everything. Which was Rebel Without a Crew? Rebel Without a Crew. And I would find that you meet the same people over and over again. Like I wrote down very specifics of people that I would meet casually in Hollywood knowing we would run into each other again and they ended up being great collaborators 10 years later, you know, or showing up in things. And I'd be able to go back and read them stuff from the early days and I would blow them away. So when you write these down, for instance... I'll uh, go into a computer so I can find them and I do it my year. So do you do it by hand and then input it into a computer? No, I do them all in the computer. So I have a little alarm that goes off at midnight to make sure, because around midnight's usually a good time, and I'll write something down. Because I found that even when I just wrote some items down, I could go back and fill them in later because you would remember... And what always would shock me, what kept it going is when I would go back and review the journals at how many life-changing things happened like within a weekend yeah. or things that you thought were spread out over two years were actually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that Monday. I mean, so many occurrences happen in chunks that, that blow you away, things that kind of define you. And do you use uh, Word? Do you use a different application? How do you catch I always just used Word because that was the first thing I had on app, my Apple laptop. There are about a thousand sometimes a thousand to two thousand pages per year wow of journals so you're entries. Doing a, few, a few days uh, or i'm sorry a few pages per night on average then. yeah a few pages per hour sometimes some some hardly anything some things are bigger and sometimes i'll clip sometimes it's a cheek sometimes i'll clip like reviews or, or, or conversations i had that have been written down somewhere else and i'll throw them in there too everything goes right in the in the right date and so i could search by date and i can kind of cross-reference stuff which is I would just say for anyone who's a parent, it's a must. It's a must because your children and you forget everything. You know, within a few years, they'll forget things that you think they should remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah. They'll only remember it if it's reinforced. And I'm, a, and I'm a real family man, so I really love every birthday. I'll go tell my kids again because they forget by the next year what their first years were like because I'll just read those journal entries. And it blows them away, you know, or they'll say, hey, we should go camping again. I go camping. Oh yeah. Remember that time we went camping and I put the tent in the backyard and it had electricity going through. We had fans. We we're watching Johnny quest and we we're playing. I must have journal on that and I must have video. So I would go year by year. I just searched camping, camping, camping. Oh, May 4th, 1999, we went camping. Oh, it's on tape 25 of this particular tape. I'd go find the tape and show it to them. After I'd show them the tape, 
They didn't have to go camping again. They yeah. just relived they it. They relived the entire thing. They relived thing. it, and they and there was better than we even remembered. So, encapsulating stuff like that is really is just really important. That reminds me of uh, something I don't think I've ever talked about, but uh, my mom when I was 15 I spent a year abroad in Japan it was my first time overseas and I was in a Japanese school it's the only you know where's Waldo American kid in the entire you know, I think it was 5,000 student school Japanese family and of course I assumed at the time I was going to remember everything that happened but my mom to her credit every time we had a phone call would get off the phone and write down what I had said And so she has this record of my experience in Japan that I have no record of. And of course, I don't remember any of it without that kind of cueing. Yeah. Uh, I think part of that came from, I read a a diary my mom tried to keep of when we were really little. And it had very few entries, but one of the most defining moments when she pushed me into a pool because I wouldn't go jump in. She knew I just needed to push and I felt totally betrayed and totally (laughs) (laughs) angry with her. It was in there, but it had her side of the story. And of course it was correct, but I wish she had written more. So I thought I'm going to make sure I write. Yeah. And, uh, and now it's become an addiction and I, and it's just so necessary. I mean, you ask your girlfriend or your wife, what did we do last year on your birthday? They won't remember a year goes by. You will not remember the details. You go back and you see the journals. It's even better. The second time you lived it again and you realize the importance of it. And when you meet someone you think might be uh, a recurring figure in your life, or you meet someone who ends up being a teacher of some type. Mm-hmm. Uh, how often do you go back and review the notes, or do you? Is it really just in time information, not just in case? So when you when you realize, oh my god, I'm going to be meeting, say Francis Ford Coppola for the second time, mm-hmm. I should probably go back and look at what happened in the first meeting, or is it something that you proactively review? When you were sort of, uh, it's only on a need to know because there's yeah. so many things. You I mean you're you're really, I I, try, I tell myself I want to be the guy looking through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. Right. But sometimes you you can see better through the windshield if you look through the rearview mirror and look at some of this stuff that's gone on, and and seeing kind of make sense of where your uh, relationships are going or what you've learned. And it blows me away sometimes. I'll just go ahead and and look somebody up that I haven't you know that I'm about to meet with. Uh, I just met with Jim Cameron. Uh, we hung out. We talked like four hours. We hadn't seen each other in a few years, and I was and I looked up old stuff, and I was like, "Oh my god, do you remember when we did this?" This because I met him twenty years ago, and we'd been friends over the years, and I totally forgot that when I went and showed him Desperado for the first time before it came out, just to see what he thought. He was watched it in his screening room, and he gave me two little manuscripts. Here, while I, while I watch your movie, you go read a couple of my treatments. One of them was for Spider Man, and one of them was for Avatar. This was in nineteen ninety. Four. Wow. That's how long ago he had that and how much that was going in his head. And I thought, wow, to keep something that was that visionary in your head that long, waiting for the technology to come, those kind of things um, made you realize some of these projects I've had for 10 years, I should go re-bring them back up, I wonder. And I have. I have since then dusted off something that I'd had 15 years and sold it. And uh, now I've just finished a screenplay for it. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations recorded all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's in Egypt to attempt it, but he won't budge. So that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy. 